Hello, our goslings, and welcome to this episode of The Smug Buds. I am your perennial host, Elizabeth Deanna Morris Lakes, and I'm here with my other perennial host, Will. Hi, Will. Hi, Liz. How are you? I'm good. What day is today? It is July 4th, 2019. And for for that reason, I will wish you a happy holiday. Happy holiday, Will. It is uh, a Thursday. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit weird because we're recording in the afternoon as if it were a weekend. Yes, technically it's not the afternoon for me quite yet. Right. But your afternoon, my late morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, it feels an awful lot like a Saturday or a Sunday, but it is a Thursday and a Thursday when we still have to go back to work on Friday. It sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Like we could have taken time off, but uh, it's not worth it. I'm taking off all next week, and so... Oh, you are? Why? We're going to San Diego next week. Oh, I don't think I realized that. Yeah, we leave on Sunday, we come back on Thursday, and I could have taken off tomorrow and just extended that vacation, So, but it's an awkward day, and I don't mind going into work on an awkward day. Yeah, awkward Um, days are actually sometimes the better days to go into work. Well, they're very quiet. Most people are taking off. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, might be one of those days when, like, some of the lights are out in the building that normally get turned on. I like those days. Yeah. I like those days, too, sometimes. They're good days for podcasts. Maybe this Mm -hmm. podcast, depending on who you are. Uh Uh-huh. And they're very lonely for me sometimes um, when I have to go into the office. But tomorrow I am going to work from home, so I will be with my cat. And also, luckily enough, my husband. That's nice. That's nice that you both get to work from home. Yes, we're very lucky. Kenny normally works from home on Fridays. I normally work from home on Friday afternoons, but I get the morning this time, too. In theory, I think I should be able to work from home sometimes, but I'm not in a position where I can... I feel comfortable, like, asking about that possibility. Oh, that's funny. At my job, it's, like, built in. So, like, after you Mm -hmm. work there for a certain amount of time, they say, do you want to work from home? And you can work from home two days a week. And then in the summer, you can work from home three days a week. That's nice. Regardless of the time of the year, I work from home for 1.5 days. (laughs) My job, I do work hourly and... I am just a teensy little bit like kind of like a receptionist for my office. Mm-hmm. Not really, but like but just like enough that you have to be there, like physically. Yeah, yeah, there. enough that I should. Yeah, yeah. That's um something that I'm glad that I grew out of because that was definitely my job for a very long time. And yeah. Kenny, Kenny also that's not really his job at all. But yeah, there's Wednesdays he works late, and that's the day that he has to be there to answer the phones until five. Mm, yeah. That's tough. Wherever you work, that's usually tough. Yeah, it's like everyone else is like, oh, hang it. Oh, I'm going to go home. Oh, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, bye. It could be worse. <laughs> it could be worse. When I briefly lived in uh, Tempe, Arizona, rather than here in Tucson, Arizona, I mm. worked at a job where for maybe like six months, I worked a shift that was uh, noon to 9 p.m. Jesus. And that was not just like one day a week. That was five days a week. <laughs> Monday I mean, to Friday. That, that looks like it would work a little bit better for you than for me, as we've discussed. But It's true. I do like to sleep in. But if I do 
in fact sleep in like I like to do, yeah. then basically my entire day is gone to yeah. <laughs> the work because I don't stay up that much later. Like mm-hmm. I don't, you know, the equivalent, I guess, would be staying up to like 2 One or two in the morning, yeah. Yeah, and I, I did not make a habit of doing that. Ugh. So really cut into my free time between work and the extra sleeping that I was doing. Yeah. Oh, God. So, Will. um... But on the bright side, it was also a job that I hated. (laughs) Will, I don't even remember what that job was. So that goes to show you how emotionally invested I was in it. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Do you want to tell our little goslings what we're talking about today? Yeah, of course. So uh, you want to talk about Moana, the 2016 film Moana. And you know why I want to talk about this movie? What is the claim I'm making? I think the way that you phrased it in our Excel document where we keep our episode ideas is Moana is the best Disney film. Yeah, I think I don't know if I put this in the thing or if I just said it, but like and fuck you if you disagree. Yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> Can't remember if I read it or heard it. So I've been so I you and I are in a position where um, the sort of renaissance of D- the Disney animated movie um, has been sort of our entire lives. Um, okay. So if we're looking at like um, you know, so the Little Mermaid was the first um, movie. Um, that came out in this sort of Disney... Do you know what I mean when I say Disney Renaissance? I know what you mean in the sense that I have heard that before, not in the sense that I know, like, what the dates are for that. Okay. So, if I'm remembering this correctly... So, you know, Disney's been around for forever. Like, yes. we know that. Steamboat Willie. Steamboat Willie, hot dog, hot diggity dog. Hot dog was S- Mickey Mouse's first word. Snow White. Snow White. Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> Um, Robin Hood. Um, all these white movies, supremacy. White supremacy. <laughs> Jesus. We'll, we'll get I, to that. I, I assume. <laughs> um, so all these movies came out, and you know they were big, but then there was sort of like a lull in the like I want to even say sixties, seventies, eighties. It's not that they weren't mm-hmm. making movies, but they weren't the sort of like like big deal. Yes, and I'm vaguely familiar with. Maybe, and you could maybe correct me if I'm wrong if you know better than me, but I have a vague sense that during that lull period, it was a time when they were uh, making new feature films, but they were like reusing animation from old films. So, so yeah, that, sometimes they'd reuse animation. Yeah. So you can like put an older Disney movie side by side with one from this lull era and it's like, oh, those two characters don't look anything alike, but they're literally going through the exact same motions. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you off the top of my head why this happened, but mm-hmm. um, basically in like 86, 87, 88, I don't know when they started the movie, they started making The Little Mermaid. Okay, so the late 80s. Yes, and The Little Mermaid came out um, in 1989, the end of the end in November 13th. So, you know, right before you were born, I was already like a year old. Right. Um, and this was the first movie that came back and was like the beginning of the sort of princess era. So we've had princesses mm. before, right? We've had 
Um, Snow White, as you said, we've had Sleeping Beauty, um, mm-hmm. Rapunzel, or no, not Rapunzel. Did no, we've had these princesses before, right? But yeah. um, the Little Mermaid comes out, and she is like the beginning of what we would think of as like the like the beginning of like the Disney princesses. The the formula that we know, the modern yes. formula for the Disney princess story. Yeah, where the movie starts out, there's an I Want song. Are you familiar with this? What's that? An I Want song. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, it's a, I get it. It's a song. As soon as I'm saying it, it makes <laughs> sense. It's a song that at the very beginning of the movie says what the character wants, right? Sure. So like in The Little Mermaid, she's like... Um, Part of your world? Yeah, she's like, I want to be part of your world. Mm-hmm. In um, Beauty and the Beast, which came out in 1990, it's... I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. Um, all of these movies have this, like, I want song. Uh-huh. Um, and even, even Aladdin, which hypothetically has this male protagonist, still has Jasmine, who is saying she wants to be um, part of the world that isn't just her castle. Yeah. And so we get all these movies and they're wonderful. I just want to say here that like, you know, there's a lot to be critical of in these movies, but like, yeah, my first crush, my first crush ever. This is a scoop. Can you, was Prince Eric. Oh. I said to my mom, I want to marry Prince Eric. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, maybe you can many- marry an Eric. I remember having this <laughs> conversation. And I was like sitting on her waterbed. She was like mm-hmm. ironing or something. And I was like, no, mom. He has to be a prince. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, you know, I see Beauty and the Beast. And clearly that's how that worked out. <laughs> sure. Where like, if you ever seen my husband, which some of our goslings might not, he's always had, except for a terrible time in 2011, a very large red beard. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, now I'm following. <laughs> and, you know, of course I was obsessed with Belle. I had yeah. a, my own sort of like resurgence in being obsessed with Belle when I dressed up for her when I was 13 for hell or 14 for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we have all these. Disney princesses. And Moana falls into this sort of category of Disney princess. Just just real quick. Um, mm-hmm. w- when was Beauty and the Beast? 1990, I think. Okay. So the Disney Renaissance, it kicks off with Little Mermaid. And then it also includes Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Uh, it must include Aladdin. 1991, sorry. What's 1991? Is Beauty, Beauty and, the and the Beast. Beast. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm writing some of this down, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Aladdin, I think, was 92. Oh, God. Let's see. And The Lion King came out in our lifetimes, so that must be part of this era. I want to say Aladdin... Um, I want to say that um, uh, Lion King was... Okay, Aladdin was 1992. Yeah. I want to say The Lion King was 95. I was also going to say that. Um... Oh, and of course it's like, oh, here we go. The problem being that 94, sorry. 94, okay. Yeah. So we're just like hit after hit after hit is coming out, right? Right. Um, And then, you know, we get other, and so Disney, you know, this is something that like 
Disney, of course, is like super, super controlling of. Mm -hmm. Um, But the official Disney princesses are Snow White, Cinderella, Aurora, who is Sleeping Beauty, Mm -hmm. Ariel, Belle, Jasmine. We get Pocahontas, Mm -hmm. Mulan, Tiana, from Princess and the Frog. Yeah. Um, Rapunzel, voiced by Mandy Moore. Okay. Merida, our Irish. Uh, Is she Irish or is she Scottish? This is like terrible of me. Um, I haven't seen Brave, but I'm pretty sure she's Scottish. And then Moana. So exactly one of them is from a Pixar movie. Uh, Which one is Pixar? Merida? Brave. Okay, yeah. So um, these are what are considered the official Disney princesses. They make a pretty funny joke about that in uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Did you, did oh, you they see do? that? Yeah. No, I haven't. You don't even need to have seen the movie because it was, you know, they, in promoting the movie, they really yeah. pushed that Disney princess uh, Yes, thing. I do remember like, that They the released trailer, that whole yeah. scene. Um, there's a, a joke where uh, Merida uh, <laughs> says something that is completely unrecognizable uh and 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 impossible to understand because of her mm-hmm. accent oh yeah and then one of the other princesses you know they all react like they can't understand a word of what she said and one of the uh-huh. princesses says she's from the other studio <laughs> holy shit i can't believe they made that joke that's so funny it's a good joke it, it, there's, it's a there really are, good joke those are funny movies those ralph movies so um i'm gonna argue today that yeah. Moana is the best of these movies. And the best oh. Disney animated movie specifically. But okay. absolutely the best Disney princess movie. Okay. Okay. So so to be very clear. Yes. W- without a doubt, you're, you're definitely arguing it's the best Disney princess movie. Yes. You also said Disney animated movie. Yes. So. Because the other thing is like, you know, Disney owns everything now. Right. So So like I'm you, not going to say that this movie is better than like The Last Jedi or something. Yes, because yeah, all <laughs> the Star Wars movies since 2015 have been Disney movies. Most of the movies in my beloved Marvel Cinematic Universe are Disney mm-hmm. movies. And most Pixar movies are Disney movies. Yes. And those are animated and those are animated in just the same way or, you know, visually to me, the viewer, a layman, yes. they look very much the same as Moana or Tangled or Frozen, the, the mm-hmm. modern Disney movies that aren't Pixar, but you could easily mistake them for a Pixar because they are that 3D animation style that that killed, you know, the old style that died yeah. with Princess and the Frog. Mm-hmm. So are you including those Pixar movies when you say it's the best Disney animated movie? I am. Wow. Toy Story can fuck off. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Strap in. (laughs) I hope you have a long commute. My, like, iTunes just started playing. Oh, was it something I said? I don't know. That was very weird. I have my headphones in, but all of a sudden, uh, brand new callback started playing on my iTunes. I just closed iTunes, so it's done now. I wasn't touching my computer, though. Can you vouch for that? Uh, no, yes, I, I mean, yes, I, yes, I can vouch for it that no, you were not touching it. 
Did you say callback because it was a callback to the podcast? Yeah. Okay. For sorry, I thought I was. I thought I saw a joke opportunity. I thought you were saying <laughs> brand new had a song called Callback, and that was the song that was playing. But oh, no, that's you hilarious! Just, no, you just said they was playing brand new, and that's a callback. Okay. Yeah. M- move on, please. Okay, so I just want to say that I'm not saying when I say best, I'm not mm-hmm. saying favorite. Yeah. Because. We, you- you are Moana's, you are setting up like you've got like empirical evidence reasoning like, why we yes. should champion this movie over the other ones. You are you are setting out a true argument because you are yes. not just talking about your feelings yes. and your opinion of this movie. And also, I want to say those other movies aren't bad. <laughs> okay, yeah, but one of them has to be the best. Yes. Um, and I also want to say that I think that depending on who you are, you might argue, like, if you're um, an Asian American and Mulan was the first movie where you saw yourself represented in animation, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm not going to tell you that Mulan is better than you, better than that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you can very easily argue that that's the best movie. Um, Pocahontas... Uh, Pocahontas is kind of problematic. <laughs> right. Not the same thing. In, in like ways that are not just like, like in ways that are like, like, let me give you an idea of what I mean when I say Pocahontas is problematic. Pocahontas um, came out when I was a child, not like a tiny child, but like a child child. Okay. And um, it came out and that came out in 1995. Okay. Okay. And so still. So, so, so are we still in the Renaissance? Yes. Or does I think the so. Disney Renaissance have like an end date? Oh, God, you know, that's a great question, and I, I don't know the answer to that. It's not important. We can speculate about it. I think hypothetically, let's say that the Disney, let's, let's say that hypothetically, and I'm making this up off the top of my head, maybe perhaps the Disney Renaissance sort of ends with Tiana, because then we move into these, like, 3D animated movies, which feels different to me. So, yeah, so, so uh, another way of framing that might be, the princess and the frog was the death of the Disney Renaissance. Yeah. And now, now we're in another era that might be called like the Pixarification of yes. Disney. Yes. The sort of weird muddling of, mm-hmm. of movies. Which um, I, but just by the way, mm-hmm. this is my delineating line. Uh, I, 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 the, the, what, so, so in, in this, at this moment where, you could look at a trailer for Frozen or Tangled and and or Moana and think like, oh, that must be the new Pixar. Mm-hmm. The delineating thing is Pixar doesn't make musicals. Yes. The 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 ones that are Disney but they're not Pixar, like Tangled, Frozen, Moana, they're musicals. Like, yes. like you know, all the uh, 90s and older movies that we've been discussing from Disney. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's a good line. Um, but and, that's, and, that's, and that's one reason why I don't think comparing them is... Is necessarily fair. Yeah, meaningful. Okay. So, okay, we'll get into that. Sure. Um Pocahontas came out in 1995. I'm, well, let's actually see the day it came out. 
Um, oh, why does this? Oh, because this is just for Pocahontas, the character. Thanks for nothing, Wikipedia. Um, so this comes out in June of uh, 1995. So I'm six. I'm going to turn seven in like a couple months. Yeah, I'm five. And when when this movie was coming That's out. That's right. I'm five. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> this movie's coming out and my mom is saying to me as like a six, seven year old, she's like, mm-hmm. Elizabeth, I just want to make it very clear that Pocahontas was not a shapely developed, mm-hmm. like 19 year old woman who had this relationship. She was 14 mm-hmm. and like, just basically like my mom who is trying to be as aware as she can be without being, like, in the sort of, like, I feel like in, you know, 1995, to be super, super woke, you basically had to be in academia. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, my mom, that's that's woke before woke. Yeah, my mom, who's, like, not reading Bell Hooks in 1995, mm-hmm. is, like, basically, like, in her mind, I think, holy shit, they've sexualized the fuck out of Pocahontas, and, like, yeah. I need to make it very clear to my daughter that this is an unrealistic expectation. Okay. Um, so like, that's what, so, which is to say that when I say Pocahontas is problematic, I'm not just saying, like, cause Moana's got some problematic stuff too. Um, okay. but with Pocahontas, it's like baseline, even my very, my very aware, but not fully like keyed in mother was aware of the fact that mm-hmm. it was problematic. Great. Um, so that's sort of how we get to Moana, right? What? Sure. Do you know what's your understanding of Moana? How do you feel about Moana? Like here, give me baseline me well. Okay. Wow, that sounded did, way more like sexual than I intended. <laughs> I don't think so. Give uh, me your baseline. <laughs> so my uh this is this is the part of the podcast where we get a baseline and my baseline is I did not see Moana in theaters when it came mm-hmm. out in 2016. I watched it, uh, I believe, uh, I watched it at home, probably via Netflix, uh, Mm -hmm. or possibly a rental that my girlfriend did for school, because occasionally she'll rent a movie uh, uh, that uh, the kids will watch. She's a school teacher. And uh, so when I saw it, it was probably 2017, Mm -hmm. and uh, I uh, rate uh many of the movies that i see on the the website letterboxd mm-hmm. I, I gave moana three stars that is three wow of... whoa whoa liz is reacting to the fact that that is three out of five not three out of four i was expecting four you have very many very few five star movies so i was not expecting five but three seems mm-hmm. low to me continue three is so so besides giving it stars and writing reviews there's a like button on mm-hmm. Letterboxd, and I use that like button kind of sparingly because to me, because like I did like Moana, I do like Moana, mm-hmm. but I'm not clicking that button on it because that puts it in on a list of my liked movies. Uh-huh. And I I think of that list as like, you could look at this list and anything on it could be like, a favorite of mine like one mm-hmm. of my top mm-hmm. favorite movies so my threshold for that is in the star rating system the lowest score you can have is three and a half out of five mm-hmm. to so to qualify for that liked 
list. So mm-hmm. so if you look at my three and a half star reviews, some of those are likes and some of them aren't. Anything below three and a half is automatically not clicking that like button. Anything above mm-hmm. three and a half is automatically I'm clicking that like button. Okay. What what I said in my review was Good songs by Lin Manuel Moana. <laughs> the Rock's character has a face that makes me cringe to look at it. Uh-huh. And the main singer got clocked in the face with a flag while she was performing at the Oscars, and she oh. just kept trucking like a pro. <laughs> and I respect the hell out of that. Mm-hmm. The final part of my baseline is that at your request, I rewatched Moana and I did that just uh, about 48 hours ago. Oh, good. Did you feel any differently on watching it a second time? Was there any, not, not like, did you like it more, but like, was there anything that you, that changed for you in this, I'm assuming second viewing? Yes. I had forgotten or I didn't recognize on my first viewing that the jokes in this movie are very bad. No. That's that's what I that's what changed on my rewatch. Okay. And I took and I took notes and these are my notes and I'm going to be referring to mm-hmm. my notes as much as you will allow because it okay. is your conversation to dominate. Okay. Okay. So that's a good baseline. So I can't tell you exactly the first time that I saw Moana. It was probably over a year ago. We also saw it on Netflix. This is a recent movie. (laughs) I know, but I'm just saying, like, I also did not see it in theaters. Okay. Because of Elliot being small. Yeah. And also, I had the sort of unique experience of not watching it in one sitting. Okay. So I, when I rewatched, for example, Beauty and the Beast now... It feels so short to me because as a child, you know, time just feels different when you're a kid. Mm -hmm. And when I rewatch Beauty and the Beast now, that middle section where she's at the castle, when I was a child, felt like we had truly traversed the seasons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like we had gone from fall and now and then winter and now it was almost spring again. Mm -hmm. And when I watch it as an adult, I'm like, oh, my God, you sneeze. It's one song. It's like Mm -hmm. something there that wasn't there before. Um. Watching Moana, we watched it in like 20 to 30 minute segments because we would watch it with Elliot when he was drinking his milk before he went to sleep. Mm-hmm. And this reproduced the same feeling of me being a child and watching a Beauty and the Beast or an Aladdin or a Pocahontas. How? Because I would watch 20 to 30 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. and then I would stop and not watch it again for 24 hours. And okay. so. I had Is the that... time to think. Hmm? So, oh, oh, okay. No, oh, you're saying, okay, you're saying as a kid, you watched these movies in one sitting, but you were yes. a kid, so time moved differently. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, you watched it in chunks, and therefore you lived in it for longer. Yes, it felt more like my experience of watching things as a child, where like, okay, you know, I watched the first 20 minutes of Moana, and she gets off of the island. Okay. And then I watch the next 20 minutes of Moana and she finds Maui and then they get to the coconut people. Yeah. And then, so, you know, when I'm watching it, like I'm watching it and we would stop like at appropriate sort of like scene breaks. Sure. When we watch stuff with Elliot, that's like a movie. Um, 
And so I would have like a day or so to think about it, what had happened before we saw the next part. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this gave it more emotional resonance for me than it would have if I had watched it in one sitting. Okay. Because there was more buildup. So that was, that was when I first saw Moana. And when I first saw Moana, I was totally blown away by, by it. Okay. It was on Netflix at the time. It's now off of Netflix. Um, we asked right. for it for Christmas so that we could watch it with Elliot um, whenever we wanted because we knew Disney now, if it doesn't already yet, I don't actually care about this that much, but um, Disney is starting their own streaming service. Yeah, it hasn't All- started yet. It comes out in the fall. Okay. But because of this, a lot of movies that were on, like, mm-hmm. basically Netflix got this Disney deal and then, like, almost immediately afterwards was like, we're starting our own streaming service. Right. Yeah. Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there are many, many parents specifically whose children are fully pacified by Disney movies will be paying for this. I will not be. Um, I will buy the movies that I would like to watch on a hard copy and watch them that way. If I subscribe to Disney Plus, it will probably be for the original marvel content ah yes but i uh need to i'm not committed to that in theory i'm going to wait and see what the what the people say about it well and i know that you've joked uh or maybe not joked that hopefully we will be bought by disney and in that case i hypothetically won't have to pay for it at all that would be very nice (laughs) yes okay so um this movie grew on me, and then we watched it a couple more times. Um, we started watching the songs with Elliot um, when mm-hmm. he's eating. Sometimes we put on um, music, and um, sometimes we'll do that via YouTube. And so he particularly likes the Cab song. Uh, right. Uh, cab is uh, Crab. Yes. Yeah. And the hilariously what he calls the Thank You song. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Because how old is Elliot? He is two and three quarters. Uh-huh. And and for and and for how long has he been stating these opinions? Um, three months, six months, yeah. Uh-huh. So a two and a half year old child <laughs> recognizes what the best songs in this movie are. <laughs> it's true. They're the catchiest. Yeah. Uh we have yeah, it's that's and int- that's an interesting statement about something. Mm-hmm. It could possibly be an interesting statement about what particular excellent taste your child has. <laughs> but more likely, it is a- an interesting statement about the uh, quality of those songs. Though to I have was... the- To have this kind of universal appeal yeah. that reaches me as a 20, you know, almost 30-year-old where like yeah, I would definitely pick those songs as the as the best and most iconic and my mm-hmm. favorites and so would a 2-year-old child. I will also say for the record that those songs are very standalone. Mhm. And part of the strength of songs like How Far I'll Go is that they're reprised, but those songs do not stand by themselves that way. Yes. And that's part of what makes it a movie musical yes absolutely and uh, and 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 to that point the the standalone non-reprisal quality mm-hmm. of shiny and you're welcome is part of what it makes them i think in my opinion 
more iconic. Yes, of course. And 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 iconic is a very important word for me in this mm-hmm. conversation because it means something that's it I'm not necessarily saying that they're better or they're the best. Mm-hmm. But like I I they they are like the signature songs. Yes. Like the yes. signature song of Moana is You're Welcome. Mhm. And the funniest song, in my opinion, is Shiny. Oh, oh, that's funny. Shiny's very funny. I think Your Welcome's actually funnier. Okay. Because, but I only say that because the whole, I only say that because of the one joke, which is that you get through the whole song. Mm-hmm. And then he says, and I'm gonna need that boat. <laughs> yeah. And I laugh out loud every time. That's, in, that's interesting. So, um, we, so we can have different opinions on something <laughs> that we like. <laughs> Okay, so let me get into why I think it's the best, now that we've laid a baseline and sort of provided some context. Please do. Um, so I'm not really going to go through the um, plot line of this. I'm going to say this, and then immediately we're going to later go through the plot line. But here's the first reason that this movie is so strong. Okay. And the reason for that is that there are no white people that are okay. human characters. Yeah. So Alan Tudyk voices that chicken. Yes, he does. But... uh I mean, who wouldn't have... I mean, I've seen Alan Tudyk in many things, and I couldn't have told you that was Alan Tudyk unless you told me. Yes. Um, even Jermaine Clements. Do you know about this? Yes. I know... Yes. I know about Jermaine Clements being the singer of what I just stated is, I think, the funniest song in the movie. But do you know that his mother is Maori? Uh, yeah, I think I knew that. If, if you if you quizzed me on it, I would not have said that off the okay. top of the dome, but I think I've heard that before. <laughs> By the way, his name is Jermaine Clement. Oh, I just always assumed that that was him saying it in his New Zealand accent. There's no R in his first name. There's no R? It is Jermaine, and there's no S at oh, the end of his huh. last name. It's Clement. Okay, well, this man, who I apparently knew nothing about, from Flight of the Concords. From Flight of the Concords. And what we do in the shadows. And what we do in the shadows. Um, he, um, I always clocked as white. And so I used to say mm-hmm. there's no white people in that movie except maybe that crab. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, his mother is Maori. But, He's from New Zealand. So he actually is directly a part of this Polynesian, this sort of broad Polynesian culture that Moana's talking about. And let me tell you why. This in particular is so important. Okay. So I, I sent you an email that I thought maybe you could open on your phone, but if you can't, I'll explain it to you. Um, I will attempt to open it on my phone. Keep talking. So this is a a, tw- a tweet that um, somebody tweeted. Our friend Teresa. Hello, Teresa. Um, Teresa tweeted this, retweeted this the other day and said that she thought that this um, image was really good. And it was about and- – div- yes, go ahead. Just while we're talking about tweets, so so uh, when you write with a bird, that's called tweeting. Oh my gosh, what is the joke you're making, Will? <sighs> really? <laughs> yes. How how recently have you watched Moana? Oh, you know what? I haven't actually watched it sitting through it in like maybe a couple weeks. Come on, I watched it two nights ago. <laughs> you, I said, I said for for your benefit. Yes. Would it be more helpful if I rewatched it or if I didn't rewatch it? And you it said, would be more oh, helpful re-watch if you rewatched it. it. Yes. And now I just said a line straight from the movie. <laughs> I'm sure that 
Which is okay. a prime example of the jokes being bad. I think that's a funny joke. That is not a funny joke. But I only, I did not laugh because I knew you were referencing something and I knew you, I knew I was I'm being dumb for not remembering it. the very movie that you are claiming <laughs> is best and fuck you if oh. you don't agree. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm this, looking at the graphic in the tweet. Okay, so this graphic is looking at children's books in 2018, diversity in children's books in 2018. And, and this is, you know, we're looking at a movie now, not at children's mm-hmm. books, but I think that this is still a good um, sampling to give it an example. Mm-hmm. And this is looking at the percentage of books depicting characters from diverse backgrounds in 2018 that are children's books. Mm-hmm. Okay, 1% are American Indians or First Nations. Yep. 5% are Latinx. 7% mm-hmm. are Asian Pacific Islander, Asian Pacific American. Mm-hmm. 10% are African American. 27% are animals slash other. And mm-hmm. 50% are white. Yeah. And the way that this graphic is, is that the mirrors that are, each person is looking into a mirror and the yeah. mirror gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh-huh. Um, until the little white boy at the end has multiple mirrors and, in fact, a disco ball. Yeah. And the reason I bring this up is because we know how important representation is, right? Yep. When somebody sees themselves represented, they see themselves as being capable of doing the things that that person is doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we're looking at, like, a really low level... <laughs> In uh, This is um, from a, a memoir, but in Fun Home by Alison Bechdel, she talks about seeing a butch trucker in a, in a diner okay. when she's like five or six years old. Yeah. And saw who she was and did not see anybody else that was a lesbian or butch for years, like a decade. And she says mm. seeing that woman buoyed her. Through her life until she could get to where she had representation. So that's what I mean when I say representation is important. When Mm -hmm. you're not seeing yourself reflected, you assume that you can't do those things. They've also done studies that in populations where somebody from a minority population becomes elected to an office, all of the offices below that suddenly start being filled in with that minority population over the next few years. Uh Uh-huh. So this is like, again, empirical evidence, right? When people are represented, those people are then going to, like, there's like literal trickle-down effect where those positions then ended up being filled by those people. So Mm -hmm. if we're going to have women and people of color believing that they can do things like be scientists, be executives, be in positions of power, we have to represent those people in the media that we create. Mm-hmm. And even in 2018, in children's books, it's still 50% white. Uh-huh. So Moana is showing um, a, a Polynesian girl in a position of power, but then there are also no other white people. And if you're a white person, like you and I are, yes, you might be saying, um, but what about me? Well, to that I say, this is representation in 2018. This is not the representation in every other year that's ever happened where we already know that it was overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly male. Mm -hmm. 
And so part of the reason I think Moana is the best is because it has this representation that's so, so, so important. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a caveat to that. Yeah. Because you might be saying, what about something like Pocahontas, <laughs> right? One might say that. Yes. Um, Or, you know, Princess and the Frog, Mulan, etc. Aladdin. Aladdin. The Lion King. They're all animals, but yeah, they're, you know, clearly Afri- African-Americans. Are I wonder, I wonder, I, I, I am totally on board for what you're saying, and I'm totally on board for the tweet. I am a little bit curious about that animal slash other category <laughs> in the graphic, because I feel like that is, uh, I feel like there's more complexity to that story. There is more complexity, and we also know that, like you just brought up with the Lion King, um, Oftentimes, characters are coded. Right. So if you have a non-human character, they'll be coded in a certain way. Yeah. Um, clearly, the African-American community in the United States has, in particular, um, latched onto The Lion King. I mean, part of that is because of James Earl Jones. But if you're mm-hmm. looking back at the original Simba, it was Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And so, and of course, you know, The Lion King takes place in Africa. Yep. So there's that. Um, I think that... Even, let's say we, let's say, Will. Let's say. Let's say that the characters are all, that are animals, are all somehow coded to be different marginalized populations. Mm-hmm. It's still 50% white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, so you might be saying that those other 50% movies. 50% not white. Yes. No, I was saying the, yeah, there's still no, 50% I know, but of I'm white. I'm saying that, yes. yeah, the other. Yes. In that hypothetical scenario. Yes. Which is ridiculous. Yes. Um. So, so that said, we might be bringing up these other movies and saying, like, well, what about them? Those are also all very important. And I also don't want to pl- downplay the importance that those movies played for specific people. Mm-hmm. But those movies were made in a time when, for example, Pocahontas was made into a really sexy lady. Yes. Moana. Disney worked very hard to make historically accurate. Okay. That doesn't mean there weren't some missteps, and I'll get to those. All right. Um, but they, when they started developing it, they, um, created the, what they called the Oceanic, um, Story Trust. I think okay. is what they called it. Um, they basically got a bunch of different consultants that were of different Polynesian cultures. Mm hmm. And they had them throughout the many years. Because, you know, Moana, you know, the other thing with animated movies is they take many years to develop because they develop them, but then the animation takes so long, even in 2019. Mm-hmm. And so they got a whole bunch of different people um, look at these movies and um, and criticize the choices they were making. They had them look at um, different storyboards they had them look at character designs so for example do you know about maui originally no um maui was originally bald okay and you know you're saying you're saying the maui that they designed for this movie was originally bald or you're saying because he's because maui is a real mythical figure yes in polynesian culture Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. 
Um, and they basically knew that they had been criticized for being, um, insensitive in the past. So they, um, they were like, okay, let's, let's make sure we get help this time. Let's go research. And they Mm -hmm. did. So Maui, the character of Maui in the movie was originally bald and the Oceanic Story Trust or the Oceanic Trust, I've heard it called both, um, was saying that, um, you know, he would never have been bald. Uh huh. He would have had hair. Hair would have been very important. And so they kept, they kept adding hair. Yeah. Um, and adding hair and adding hair and adding hair. Yeah. And, um, finally they were like, that's good. And I have to concede that that is a real sacrifice. What do you mean? I mean, it's more, it, it is more than just an aesthetic choice. Yes. Like, I can see how, from a practical point of view, the people making the movie would want the character to be bald. Curly hair is specifically difficult to, hair is difficult to animate and curly hair is specifically difficult to animate. That's why Brave was supposed to be such a, like, landmark achievement is because Meredith's hair is supposed to be like, that should be impossible to do what they did. Yes. And I think it was like, I think I read once, though, I couldn't tell you the sources from years ago, that it was like the most expensive thing in the whole movie was just animating her hair. Right. Um, Yeah. In this article from Vanity Fair, it says... Animators got to work piling on more and more hair. Not enough, Murphy recalls saying, until finally Maui had a full head of curls inspired by Polynesian football players like Troy uh, Polamalu. Mm -hmm. The whole trust was bursting laughy, as Murphy put it, because they were so pleased with the results. Though there was pushback, CGI animation of hair is tricky, and some feared it would be a technical technological burden to the whole movie. John Musker says they immediately scrapped the original ball design they had been working with for a year when they were given this criticism. So I'm saying that, like, more than just like making a concession to this mm-hmm. consortium. I'm I'm just a layman, so I don't really know what I'm talking about. But I, I, based on what I think I know, I'm guessing that it actually cost them a lot of money. Yes, <laughs> to, I think that it did. make that uh, culturally sensitive choice. Um, so that's that's one of the things. Why am I? Why? Why? Yeah. Great point. <laughs> They, uh, you know, bow bow down to to Disney. They, good job, Disney. Pat on the back. We, I love this corporation. <laughs> <laughs> They've done such wonderful. <coughs> Shut up. Well, and I mean, the other thing I'll say here though is that, like, um, you know, I also know that they did this, um, this that this was not they, but that this was done with Coco. Um, uh-huh. where they also did a lot, a lot, a lot of research. They got yeah. a group of people, um, to be consultants, um, for accuracy and, um, yeah. s- you know, sensitivity readers is what we call it in our field. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like the, this is the first time that this has been done by a, a major film necessarily. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the only time it's been done, I guess is what I mean. Um, but I think it's worthwhile to put out. Now, there has still been some criticisms, but the criticisms of this, I feel like are more, you know, the, the po- Polynesian culture is wide reaching. Diverse. Um, it's very diverse. Um, one of the criticisms I've read was that um, Maui is usually portrayed as being very skinny. Okay. And that the Maui in the movie um, sort of contributed to this stereotype that Polynesian men are like sort of fat 
in a way mm-hmm. and 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 thus unhealthy though we know that those aren't i and you know hope hopefully know that being uh, a larger size does not necessarily mean you're any more or less healthy than someone else sure um but um that was a criticism and clearly why did they as far as i'm concerned why is maui shaped the way that he is to um stand out against moana yes and who else why else uh, because the rock is big? Yes. As yeah. far as I'm concerned, Maui looks like the rock is shaped. As far the rock as I... who is Samoan, as we know. Part Samoan, anyway. Do you know that they had the rock before they had a big character for him to play? Um, I don't know that for certain, but it just I'm seems... Sh- I'm sure they played into what we know of the rock... Mm-hmm. But as far as I'm concerned, and again, just a layman, just speculating. Yeah. But I think the very important, like the a number one important thing to an animator or like a character designer. Yeah. Is that the characters uh, be so differently shaped that you could recognize which was which if you just saw their silhouettes. I, th- I think that that's fair. And I also, I mean, that was, if you weren't going to say that the rock thing, I was going to bring up the thing that you brought. I think that they're both mm. working at play here because, yeah. I mean, the other thing thing here is not just that he's distinct from Moana, but that Moana is a strong, um, nimble girl, but she's human. And Maui's mm-hmm. a demigod. And for children, you need to see the physical difference there. Yeah. But that's a criticism. That's a legitimate criticism. That's mm-hmm. not the way Maui's normally represented. And um, he's represented that way for a reason. So there were concessions and there were compromises. Yeah. And also, I mean, I don't know if anybody from the Oceanic Trust said, like, hey, we should make Maui smaller. And that was dismissed. Uh-huh. I haven't found anything that says that. I don't know if they gave it their blessing. But that's something that I've read was a criticism from um, from Polynesian people uh-huh. who grew up with stories of Maui. Yep. Um, there's also been, um, criticism of the Kakamora people, which are those coconut people. <laughs> yes. Um, because the Kak, which I was like, why? They're not people. Actually, they are. The Kakamora is actually a people with short stature. Okay. And coconuts are really important to Polynesian peoples, but mm-hmm. apparently calling somebody a coconut is a slur. Okay. Which I, you know, as somebody who does not live on the West Coast, who, who does not live in the Pacific Ocean, is not interacting with these people is not something that I knew before mm-hmm. I was doing research for this episode. But, yeah. um, you know, that's a criticism. I Do I still think that that scene is incredible? Yeah. Do I wish that they would have named them not the Kakamora? Mm-hmm. Just, like, name them something else. And I I feel like if they had just named those that coconut, that group of, like, fake coconut people something else, it would, like, not be a problem. Yeah. But, fine. Um. I So I said that I rewatched this movie so recently. I was also doing dishes during a lot of it. <laughs> and I wasn't closely observing that scene. Mm-hmm. Are they people made of coconuts? Or are they little people wearing coconuts? That's a great question. So I always assumed that they were made of co that they were little people that were coconuts but i yeah. read recently like when i was doing research for this that they are uh-huh. people wearing coconut armor yeah right that okay. we never actually see yeah um i mean what i they think it look it's, like underneath the armor yeah i think it's sort of the same question of like toad from mario is there that was a, his hat or his head yes <laughs> and it was finally it's become canon that it's his head yeah, but it's also quote unquote canon that GIF is pronounced GIF, and yeah. I do not have to live by that. 
I don't have to live by that either. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where they animated them, but you know, they weren't necessarily thinking of their full anatomy. You know, how do the Kakamora mm-hmm. reproduce in Moana? Do they all fall from trees? You know, who knows? I think they did think about it. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so yes. So my, my point here being that is it absolutely perfect? No, I'm not sure that it ever could be. Um, but I think that they did the work that they had to do to make it, um, as close to culturally appropriate as, as they could. While still making an entertaining movie. While still making an entertaining movie that children could Mm -hmm. receive and understand. Yep. Um. Makes sense to me. That is why, um... I think that that is part of the thing that makes it the best is uh-huh. that it it's not just that it's the best it's doing important work and it's doing yes. important work in a thoughtful way it's providing a model as to how we can make movies about um different subjects in ways that are respectful and also entertaining and also all of that Yes. That, you look that, so bored right now. That was a lovely thorough trip through what I will call the high road. <laughs> where you defend, where you begin your argument that a movie is best, not with any of its aesthetic qualities as a film. <laughs> you know, but, but I but think with that... Its imp- no, no, yes, no. I know it's important. I No, not just that. I mm. think that all of these things informed the aesthetic qualities of the film. Sure. And informed them in a way that we were all able to enjoy them, but also it wasn't lazy. Okay. Well, okay. Um, not not in that area. Yes. Okay. The songs. Yes. Is my the, next okay. point. That's great. That's one. That's one of two things I want to talk about. Every song in this movie is a banger. Okay. Okay, so what are the purpose of songs in musicals? To advance the story. To both advance the story, to um, set the scene, which is partially advancing the story, but not always, mm-hmm. and to create um, and execute emotional resonance. Right. And every one of those songs does this. I have listened to the soundtrack on my own. They make me cry. As we've discussed, Elliot who does not know the names of very many songs, knows two of these songs off the top of his head. Speaking of off the top of the head, may I attempt to go through this movie song by song off the top of my head? Yeah, you can. Okay. I haven't listened to the soundtrack. I haven't looked up the soundtrack. Uh I've just seen the movie twice. Once was quite recently. Yes. The first song I'm going to assume is called Consider the Coconut. It's not it's not called considered the coconut will. Well, maybe it should be. <laughs> and I have to give credit because I got that idea from listening to the Blank Check podcast where <laughs> where they reduce Moana down to the line from that song Consider the Coconut. Mhm. Next, uh you called it uh How Far I'll Go earlier, right? Yes, I believe that's what it's called. Yeah. Okay, so, so you say you believe that's what it's yes, called. Yes, that's what it's called. Sorry, okay. I, 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 yeah. There's, I again, this song's, this song's, I got that from you. This song's reprised. Right. I, if, 
if I hadn't heard that from you, I would have guessed what it was called because mm-hmm. I don't know what that song is called, even though it's like kind of the main song because it ha- is reprised and because it's the main characters like mm-hmm. theme song. Mm-hmm. It's it, it was performed at the Oscars famously mm-hmm. in the, my mind. It's famous because of the flag <laughs> incident. Um, but uh, I couldn't say with certainty what what it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a song that I'm going to guess is called Away Away. It's called We Know the Way. But yeah, they Great. sing Away Away, I think. Yes. This is where we hear the voice of Lin-Manuel Moana. <laughs> and in, in the movie, rather than just hearing his uh, compositions. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you get Your Welcome. Yes. Then you get Shiny. Yes. And uh, I'm guessing that maybe there's like a grandma's song. Um. There's the um, I Am Moana song. Okay. Where she is with the grandma. Okay. And she's like, I am this person. I am this person. Or, you know, like, I am, like, mm-hmm. I, this is who I am. This is who I am. And then she, I'm going to, like, cry. I, like, literally, can you see that I have goosebumps right now? Sure. And then she goes, I am Moana. And she jumps and she retrieves the heart. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> I thought uh, Brand New was going to make me cry, man. And there and, and there are various reprises. Yes. Have I, have I left out anything important? Um, yes. The most important song. It's a short song. It's the shortest song, but it's key. And I'll talk about this. Uh, know who you are. Okay. Is that the grandma's song? No. Okay. Who sings That's, it? She Moana does. Okay. It's like it's like a verse. Okay. It's the song when she returns the heart. Re- returns the heart. Okay. She sings it to the lava monster, who turns out to be a jolly, uh, a jolly green giant woman. Will, <laughs> you're gonna regret making fun of her when I tell you why this movie is so important later. All right, keep going. <laughs> so yes, every song is a banger. I mean, um, you're right. You you've pointed out the two sort of standalone songs the best. Um, again, these songs also have versions on the soundtrack that are in, um, um, uh, oh God, what language are they in? They're in a language that isn't English. And this is the Uh first time that songs like this have been, um, translated. And I think it's in Tahiti. These language have been translated into these songs. Um, or these, the song has, these songs have been translated into this language. Um, and the reason I, again, say this is important is because, um, representation, but also like for Elliot, Mm -hmm. Elliot, part of what I'm trying to do as a parent is decenter Elliot's whiteness. Okay. Okay. And if I can, if I have. At my fingertips, from something mm. as easy as Disney, though clearly I have to go further than that. Sure. A, a way that he can listen to a song that's in a totally different language. Yeah. A song that he recognizes mm-hmm. because it's a song that he's also heard in English. Right. That's a way that he can understand, like, I'm not the most important person in the world, even though, like, otherwise it would, he would see, it would seem like he was because he's reflected everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, that's important. I get that. And it's like useful for you as a family and for us as a culture that you can get that at, with something as popular as, you know, the Disney movie of the year. Yes. You know, but you know, also with, 
these songs are good. Like these songs, sure. I've gotten every single one of these songs stuck in my head. Okay. Um, you know, the, you know, there's some like, you know, question as to what like good is, but I think for the sake of a Disney movie, you could say like, if it gets stuck in your head all of the time, mm-hmm. it clearly has something going on that's making it stick with you. Right. Um, because you're not, it's not forgettable. I'll say that. Okay. Um, so there's that. I mean, as we've talked about, they're, they're also really funny. I think You're Welcome or the Thank You song, as Elliot calls it, is really funny. Um, it does the thing that we talked about in one of the episodes earlier where the animation changes. Yeah, I like that. Um, but then also it introduces Maui, um, mm-hmm. as this character who's headstrong, um, who is mischievous, mm-hmm. um, and is perhaps not to be trusted. <laughs> Sure. But it does it in a funny way that kids can mm-hmm. appreciate. Shiny is, you know, there's no, the, the funny thing about Moana, and we'll talk about this later, is that there's not a clear antagonist in Moana. Yes. Because Maui is, as we'll get into very shortly, truly the antagonist. Okay. And so the only real antagonist song we get besides You're Welcome is Shiny. Yeah. Um, cause this Which crab... is one of the things that makes it so great. Yeah. Yeah. I, everybody I loves love a, a good antagonist song. Yes. Shiny to me, not just the song, but I'm going to, I, one of the things I want to do mm-hmm. is do some comparisons. Okay. Yeah. And shiny to me is the equivalent of, and on par with one of my favorite numbers, which is uh, Oogie Boogie's song. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. From Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, and you know that's one of Kenny's favorite movies of all time, right? Sure, yeah. yeah. Though I am i can't imagine that's surprising to you. <laughs> no. If you didn't no. know that. <laughs> of course not. So, yes. So, all of these songs, I think, are really good, and that, I think, is important. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now here are the reasons. These are So, those are, I think, all important, and I think that they're all rich, but here's... But we could have these things and still have a movie that's like, eh, okay. Here's why I think this movie is the best. Are you moving on from the songs? Yes. Oh, wow. Do you have something okay. else to say about the songs? Well, I mean, I just, I, I've, you haven't even brought up Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, sorry. Like, yes. Part of the reason the songs are so good is because, I mean, the reason that the songs are so good is Lin-Manuel Miranda. Right, because they got Lin Manuel, who, as we all know, is most famous mm-hmm. for his composition of the song Jabba Flow, oh, Jabba. <laughs> which you can hear in Maz Kanata's Cantina in the 2015 oh, film Star Wars The Farts Awakens. Oh, God. And you know, he also did this musical called In the Heights. Oh, yeah, In the Heights. <laughs> That's how he was plucked out of obscurity by Disney to write songs for Star Wars and Moana. Of course, Lin-Manuel did Hamilton. He's also done other things, as Will has just brought up. Do you know Jabba Flow? I'm I'm sure I do, but I couldn't, like, sing it to you. (laughs) I'm going to send you Jabba Flow later. Okay. (laughs) Um, So... Yes, that's that's why the songs are so good. And I think it's also worth mentioning that, like, is Lin-Manuel Miranda um, Polynesian? No, but he is a person of color. And he's a person of color who has been writing songs 
um, that has been going out of his way to decenter whiteness. Uh-huh. So he is working towards the same efforts that I'm concerned with anyway. Um, uh-huh. you know, if you, I mean, we brought this up in, um, last week's episode about the Venture Brothers, which what I brought up was that part of the problem with telling stories about things in the past is that right. whiteness has been so prevalent that people can sort of get away with, quote unquote, right. only hiring white actors because they're just perpetuating the fact that yes. those were the people that Lack were in power. Lack of diversity in your modern media because you are representing a time and a place and a culture with a horrible diversity problem. Right. And so, you know, Lin-Manuel basically says, fuck you, and makes Hamilton with a super diverse cast with rapping in it, and is able to tell the story of our forefathers, so to speak, um, without falling into that trap. Yes. What if American history was like The Wiz? (laughs) Yes, except better than that. Not Nothing against The Wiz. Um, So, we we have that going on, too. And that's... um, I mean, Lin-Manuel is one of those people that, like, I don't know him, and I I will probably never be buddies with him, but he comes across as being warm, as being loving, as being concerned with kindness and care. Yes. Um. And so, he, yeah, he's the person you want writing your songs for a Disney movie. Yes. Um, I would be remiss if I did not mention, as we always do... Devotee of the podcast, Sarah, mm-hmm. not only because she's such a Hamilton and Lynn Manuel fan, but because the first time I watched Moana, I watched it not only with my girlfriend, but also with Sarah and Park. Ah. Oh, okay. And afterwards, we were saying how much we liked it and what we liked about it. And we were talking about the songs and mm-hmm. how they had that unmistakable Lynn Manuel quality. Yes. Uh-huh. And Dana who was not really familiar with Ham- Hamilton was like, what, what, what do you mean? Like, what about it gives it that quality? Mm-hmm. And I, that at that moment, I recognized so purely and intensely my uh, desire to mansplain. <laughs> because I felt that I knew the answer and mm-hmm. could articulate it best of anyone in the room, mm-hmm. despite the fact that I have not seen Hamilton <laughs> and I have not listened to any of those songs. <laughs> Did you let Sarah do it? Yes and no. Okay, fair. I, I called myself out and I said, Sarah would know better than I would. Mm-hmm. But here's what I think it is. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think amongst intimate company like that, that's acceptable. And basically what it boils down to is, do you do you know, before, I'll give you a chance to say. No, I, I would like to know what you say here. Basically what it boils down to is internal rhyming. Ah, uh-huh. Where like, it do, you don't wait for the end of a line to rhyme with something. There's a lot of like rhymes like inside, like in the middle of lines and a lot of like a lot of repetition Mm -hmm. of words and sounds. So like, uh, I know everybody on this island is happy living on this island Uh that the repetition of people on this island living on this island. Yeah, it's it's using like little bits of meter, too, that repeat. Yeah, that to me and probably to anyone familiar, is mm-hmm. like the hallmark of Lin-Manuel songwriting. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's all that, I wanted to say. That's all I have to say about the songs. I mean, I it almost I almost don't want to talk about the songs because I think that 
people know that they're good. I want to talk more about the songs in comparison to other songs, but get to what you were going to say. And then if there's time, we can do what I want to do. So one of the things that has been so criticized about the Disney princess movies in particular is that, you know, if you have a movie and if we're looking at like a Pixar movie or something like that, like if we look at Toy Story, I love Toy Story. I don't want to say I don't love Toy Story. I love Toy Story. Uh, Tom Hanks, brilliant every time. It's a white boy with white men toys and some other characters. Like, that's the whole deal. And then if you have a princess movie, there's a romance. And, like, that's the, like, main thrust of the movie. Even if there are other things going on, it's, like, there. Right? Mm -hmm. So even if you look at The Princess and the Frog, that's the whole story. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. That's the core of the story. If you're looking at Beauty and the Beast, here, you know, people always make the joke about um, the word that I can't think of right now, Stockholm Syndrome. Yes. Um, And yeah, there's, I'm not, again, I'm not saying any of these movies are bad. If you're looking at Snow White Sleeping Beauty situations, they have to be kissed in order to wake up and that's how they find their true love. Mm -hmm. And that's not consensual. In 2019, that's harassment. Mm Mm-hmm. And in fact, in the, some of the original Sleeping Beauty stories, though this is clearly not how Disney represented them, um, the, there's a, many versions of the Sleeping Beauty story where the prince rapes her and she wakes up either as she's giving birth or as one of her twins is like breastfeeding for the first time. Uh huh. That's fucked up. And I'm yeah. not saying that like, again, I'm not saying that those movies in and of themselves are bad, but I'm just saying that, like, it's really hard to divorce yourself from that sort of history. Yes. And, and, and why? That's like, this, this is because this has been pointed out to me time and time again for mm-hmm. years. Yes, of course. The Little Mermaid in the original story, she turns into sea foam. Yeah. At the in end. fact, in fact, she kills herself and yeah. people said to, uh, Hans Christian Andersen literally said to him, like, hey, that's pretty dark. I don't know if they had, if he had written or if they had read The Matchstick Girl yet, where she freezes to death on Christmas Eve. But yeah. they were like, that's dark. Can you lighten it up a bit? And him lightening it up was her turning into seafoam instead of just straight up dying. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's weird uh, that Disney made a Disney cartoon movie version of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yes. <laughs> Notre Dame, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, the, my my question is why? Like why did they ever why did... Well, I mean, I think that the short answer to that is like these are tales that have been in our lexicon for a long time. Yeah, but aren't there others? I think that there are others, but I mean if you're looking at so like I wrote a whole series of poems called Ashley Shurganach and the Wolf yeah. that's about the mythical wolf and yeah. part of that you know, part it's about the mythical girl and the mythical wolf. So that could yes. be Little Red, but it could be somebody else. Sure. And yeah, those stories are just as terrible. Like there are versions of of Little Red Riding Hood where the huntsman never comes and saves them. There are versions where she gets out by herself. There are versions where they just die. There's versions where the wolf makes her eat her grandmother. That, like these stories have always been terrible. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I know. I but like 
are you are you saying that like all stories throughout time that could be adapted into a children's cartoon are dark and horrible? Like, no, I'm just there saying must that, like... be some that aren't. And if you want to, <laughs> if you want to make something light and happy for children, it, why not write a story like that? Or if you must adapt something that exists, find something light and happy. Like I, yeah. I, I will. I won't. I don't understand why it was a practice. Yeah. To take something horrible and make a kid-friendly version of it. Yeah. I mean, I think. I think. I don't want to say laziness. I think that the reason that they did it is because it's easy to already sell somebody something that is familiar. All right. I'm not saying that that makes it better. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. Um, that's, I can see why they're doing it. And, you know, I, I'm also saying that I myself have retold these sort of myths. Yeah. But and I, of co- I, of course, am being critical of them. <laughs> and I'm just saying, I don't have an example off the top of the dome, but I have, have to imagine that there must be some familiar stories that don't end in suicide. Yes, it's true. So that said, you know, there's all of that going on, you know, we don't have to get too much into it, but mm-hmm. Moana doesn't do that. Right. And in fact, Moana is what I'm going to say in a moment is actually very dark, but it actually addresses that darkness instead mm-hmm. of sort of glossing over it. Right. So Moana doesn't have any romantic partners, which is not to say like somebody can't have a romantic partner in something, but like that's not the core of the story. It's not even a subplot. It's not even a subplot. It's, her trying to figure out who she is in her family, in her culture, in her right. geographic location. Mm-hmm. It's her having desires that she can't reconcile with what she knows she needs to do to be the person that she's expected to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's supposed to be there's, and there's this great joke, you know, she's listed as a princess, but there's this great joke, uh, you know, a Disney princess, but there's this great joke, um, where she says to Maui, I'm not a princess. I'm, I'm the daughter of the chief. Yes, I'm the daughter of says, the chief. you got an animal sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Very, yes. very meta. Yes. Very funny. Um, <laughs> um, and so this story. Here's what I think is funny about that. Yes. I will concede that what is funny about that mm-hmm. is that the movie sets up the animal sidekick that she should have. Oh yeah. And then at that moment in the movie, she has an animal sidekick, but it's one that she shouldn't have. I, I I like, I, I like the subversion that she still has an animal sidekick that he can recognize as her animal sidekick, but we know that it's not supposed to be there. And in fact, there's a much cuter, smarter animal (laughs) that she knows and is friends with. And instead, she's, you know, the one that she gets stuck with is one that is uh, only useful by uh, chance. Yes. Um, One that um, is, in fact, always being threatened to be eaten by Maui because he's hungry. That is an example of something that is not funny, but yes. Oh, I think that's so funny. Um, but I think it's funny for, well, I think it's funny for this reason, which is that, okay, so th- this is all there, but this all leads to my sort of big point, a point that other people have made, but I feel like it's not talked about as much, which is that okay. Moana is a story about trauma. Interesting. And specifically, I think sexual assault. 
Go on. And Maui's the perpetrator. Maui's the real evil presence in this movie. Okay. So Maui is, for reasons that we understand, he's trying to please people. You know, we, we, get, we get some empathy the giant, for him, right? The giant is the traumatized one? He steals from Tafiti. Uh-huh. And turns her into that lava monster whose name I can never... Taka. Uh-huh. And he then... Uh, and then there's a plague, which is also about this, right? When somebody has to deal with trauma, when somebody is... um, When there's one single person that deals with trauma, whether it's sexual assault, sexual... uh, uh Other violence, that trauma radiates, mm-hmm. right? It's not ever going to be just that one person who has to deal with that trauma. Mm-hmm. And then he goes out, he gets stuck, he can't really do anything, right? And that trauma radiates out into the sea mm-hmm. and ends up affecting Moana's island. Turning the coconuts black. Turning the coconuts black. Which I think also... So there's there's also historical trauma here, right, that's being addressed. Because, okay. for example, I went to a bat mitzvah the other week. Yeah. Did you know this? Yes. Did go I tell on. you this? Yes. It was for my um, boss. Yeah. And she uh, had an adult bat mitzvah. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a thing that they do... Um, if you, you don't have to have one when you're 13 and if you have one when you're older, it's in it. She, she took a class Yeah. and, um, there were a lot of people, a lot of different ages. Some of them were our age, but a lot of them were closer to my boss's age, you know, in their forties, fifties, sixties. Yeah. And you know, it's like a 30 year range. What does Um, this have to do with historical trauma? She had this, this mitzvah and I went to it and they each give these little sermonettes, these little mini, um, speeches yeah and at least two or three of the people said in their little sermonettes of these like of this adult bat mitzvah class i didn't do my bat mitzvah or my bar mitzvah depending yeah because i was so haunted by the stories i was told about not knowing whether or not my grandparents were, my great grandparents and my grandparents were alive during the Holocaust. And because I was so haunted by, um, like knowing that people hated Jewish people so much that even though I was mm-hmm. Jewish and even though I went to synagogue every week, mm-hmm. I felt like I couldn't, like the one woman said, I felt like I couldn't fully accept my Jewish identity until now. Uh-huh. And her daughter was also having her bat mitzvah the next day. Okay. So historical, that's what I mean by historical trauma, right? So like, that's also what's happening here, right? There's historical trauma where this one person has this trauma and everybody else is having to deal with this trauma, even though they weren't specifically there for the event. Okay. So that's part of it. Yep. Okay. So we have all of that. Moana goes, she's buoyed by her grandmother. She is able to um, fully realize who she is as a person. And then she thinks that she needs help from Maui. Maui abandons her in the last moment. She um, gets ready. She goes back. And Maui does 
try to redeem himself, right? He shows up. He's there for her. He knows that he's going to have to probably break his hook again to – or break his hook the whole way to be able to actually help her, which he mm-hmm. ends up doing. She gets through everything because of her own volition, right? Maui's there, and he definitely helps her, but she's the one that figures everything out. And she gets to the island, and she looks down, and there's this pullout of the camera, and you realize the island's not there anymore. And she turns around, and I just remember just putting my hands to my face and being like, it's her. And I just started, I mean, I had already been weeping throughout this movie. I just started, like, weeping because I was like, here is a woman. You know, she's a goddess, but she's represented as a woman goddess. Yes. Who has been transformed by trauma. And no one has seen her before. Nobody looked at this goddess. They Because until that moment, you think that they're two separate entities. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's not a trick. You know what I mean? It's not, it's, there's nothing there that's like tricking you. It's there all along. Like if you, when you rewatch that opening sequence, there's yeah, a transformation you, that happens that you, you don't necessarily notice the first time you're watching it, but the second time it's very obvious that they're the same person. If there's a trick at all, it's the trick of we played with like, we know you're assuming this is one thing. Yes. But we never said it was that way. Yes, but I, but I would say that even if you're watching it, you could have picked up on it if you were just watching closely. Right, yeah. They it's, just don't explicitly say it. It's a, it's, it's a subtle trick. Yes. So then, how, how do they quote-unquote defeat this lava monster? Moana says to the ocean, let me go to her. <laughs> the ocean, I can't believe this is the one I'm crying for. The ocean parts... And she starts walking towards her and she sings the most important song of the movie. She sings, I have crossed the horizon to find you. I know your name. They have stolen the heart from inside you. But this does not define you. This is not who you are. You know who you are. And this lava monster who has been trying, who has been lashing out, who has known nothing but violence, Moana saves the day. She saves the whole movie. She saves her whole culture. She saves her whole island. Not through violence, which is what Maui was doing. Not through trickery. But through seeing somebody for who they were and loving them. And she stands up on a rock and she kisses her on the head and she gives her her heart back. And that's how she saves the movie is that she sees somebody who experienced trauma and she recognized that trauma and she was able to care for that, that entity, that person. And that's how everything was saved. And Maui had nothing to do with it. He was useless. He was the part, he was the problem. And of course, you know, it's a Disney movie, right? This is where it's like a Disney movie again. It's a Disney movie. They're not going to paint him as the as the true villain here. But, like, none of this would have happened if he hadn't created this trauma. And so, and then, the, you know, he then she very kindly restores his hook. And we can hope, you know, we can hope that 
he's redeemed himself. We can hope that she truly does forgive him and that, you know, maybe she has this like empathy or understanding um about why he made the decisions he made too. Um yeah. But, but again, that, this doesn't fall apart for you there. Um I think it only falls apart for me in the sense that like it's a Disney movie, so what are they going to do? Yikes. Um so, so you so They're you not going to have... be like they're not going to be like he's a rapist. <laughs> So you have this reading of the movie. Yes. And that's why it makes you cry just to talk about it. Yes. And you're okay with the fact and you admit mm-hmm. that the movie wants us to sympathize with Maui. I am okay with it because it's a children's movie. And because I think this is a really, really big concept. And I think that I think that nothing is ever going to be perfect. Nothing is ever going to do every single thing that it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that they don't dwell on this for too long. And at this point, they need to get to the end of the movie. And I understand the limitations of that. And to be clear, what I'm talking about when yeah. you say they don't dwell on this for too long. And when I say the movie wants you to sympathize with him, I'm talking mm-hmm. specifically about the part where they're on the boat and they're sad and he has tattoos that tell the story of why he stole the heart and we're told he did it for humans. Okay. And 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 he says and, and I did everything that I did for humans and it was never enough for them. And as proud as he is of himself and self-obsessed, he just wanted love and uh all of his accomplishments they they never got him the the love and acceptance that he so craved so in your narrative of the movie that is like a valid excuse i don't think it's an excuse i think that there's a difference here it's a reason it's reason enough not to excuse what he did but for the audience to feel for him and relate to him as someone who had a uh, not perhaps not a valid or a legitimate reason, but a sympathetic reason. I think it's a for complex reason. Someone. I think it's a complex reason, and I think that this is something that we need to talk about more. Which is that I never think rape or sexual assault is legitimate, but I think that what we need to do a lot of times is look at before that act happened. How did we get to that point? Right? This was my whole brand new episode, right? Uh-huh. How do we get to this point? Because I think that we need to look at this question because we can't just keep doing cleanup. Mm-hmm. And we can't just, you know, I think the first step is damning these people that have been in power after doing these acts. But I think the second step, which a lot of people haven't gotten to yet because a lot of people haven't gotten to the damning of the people yet, which is also legitimate is saying, mm-hmm. how can we prevent this from happening? Why did these people Prevention. think that this was okay? Why yeah. did these people get, why, how, how did Maui get to the point where he thought that this was what he needed to do? Yeah. That doesn't excuse what he did, but mm-hmm. I think that it helps us know how we can then prevent other people from thinking that that's acceptable. Uh-huh. And yeah, I do have, I do have sympathy for him. I have sympathy that he, um, started his life with no power and then was given a great power. But it was always at the cost of having lost the people that should have cared for him initially. Mm-hmm. And I think that he then 
because of that was always unbalanced. And I think that he then didn't have the resources that he needed to make the right decisions. And I think he really fucked up. Yeah. And I think that it can be both. I think that I can say what you did was unforgivable or at least was inexcusable, Mm -hmm. but also say, I understand that you had a complicated past that led you to make that decision, Mm -hmm. even though you should have known better. Uh Uh-huh. But that's just me. Fair enough. Um, and we're sort of running short on time, but I mean, that, that's why I think it's the best movie is because it has a foundation that is strong, Mm -hmm. that is based in research, that is based in respecting a culture that represents a culture that is not widely represented, even though it, you know, covers the sort of great swath of land. Mm -hmm. Um, it has songs made by one of the best songwriters and musicals in our generation, And then it deals with really complex um, subjects that hopefully will help children deal with those subjects as they come into adulthood and have to deal with them in more literal ways. Right. More so, more so than like The Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast, even though I love those movies too. That was a good conclusion paragraph that you just did, wrapping up your points. In conclusion. Yes. (laughs) We can see that. Yes. Great. Did you did you do you have anything else to that you want to do with the little time remaining? And fuck you if you disagree. So fuck me, I guess. <laughs> so I mean, I know we don't have very much time left, and I don't need a full explanation. But like, what do you think is the best of these movies? Then I don't. I don't have an argument to make. I just have questions. Okay. I don't have a clear counter argument the way Mm -hmm. that you have a clear argument but i i have questions so i said that i wanted to talk about the songs in comparison to other songs Mm -hmm. i also said what separates these pixar looking disney movies from actual pixar movies is these disney movies are musicals Mm -hmm. i think that that is the unique quality that they have Mm -hmm. and therefore i think that that may perhaps be the most important thing to judge them upon. Mm -hmm. I think that what is iconic about these movies is the most iconic song that comes Mm -hmm. out of them. So that, that to me is like the movie in summary, like that, that to Mm -hmm. me is, is like the, the hallmark quality of one of these movies. Yeah. Therefore, to judge Moana, in my mind, against other Disney movie musicals Mm -hmm. is to judge You're Welcome Mm -hmm. against Akuna Matata Mm -hmm. or Be Our Guest Mm -hmm. or, and this is most important to me, uh, You Ain't Never Had a Friend Like Me. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, it's hard for me to watch Moana without comparing it to Aladdin mm-hmm. because Maui in almost every way is the genie from Aladdin. Uh-huh. After I rewatched Moana, I rewatched about the first half of 1992's Aladdin. Mm-hmm. God, I can't believe we have to specify that. Continue. Those two films, Aladdin and Moana, they are not the same length. Uh-huh. 
you've pointed out that the older the Disney movie is, the shorter it tends to be. Mm-hmm. So clearly Moana is a bit longer than Aladdin. But if you, you know, do a comparison where you like accommodate for that difference in length, mm-hmm. Maui and the genie uh, appear basically at the exact same point in mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah. And You Ain't Never Had a Friend Like Me is an introduction to the genie. And -hmm. it's the genie's song. Right. In the same way that You're Welcome is for Maui. Certainly. And with uh, the genie, you have Robin Williams. And with Maui, you have The Rock. Mm -hmm. In my mind, no contest. Mm -hmm. Aladdin, by this standard that I'm laying out, blows Moana out of the water. Um, Pun not intended, but recognized in (laughs) hindsight. (laughs) I think that that's a fair assessment, but I think that it's just so much narrower than what I'm looking at. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's totally fair. Um, And you can, yeah, we're, you know, making statements that are reflective of our our priorities Mm -hmm. as, as, uh, as media consumers. Yes. Which is also, yeah, a statement about uh, my privilege, as with everything that I can say. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to hate me? Um, if I, I could just breeze through these notes uh, and you could hate me. Sure. But I just, again, want to say that you have not given me an answer as to what is the best. I didn't say I would. I know, but I'm just saying that I think that it's hard for me to hear your criticisms when you can't, not necessarily provide an argument, but even provide like a counter choice i just said aladdin is better so you just think aladdin in general is a the best disney movie no i said it's better than moana okay yeah okay Uh uh-huh and therefore moana couldn't be the best i think i think you're dicing but continue okay so run through your notes okay um i already said shiny is just like oogie boogie's theme Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to give points to Jermaine for uh, doing his uh, David Bowie voice, uh, uh-huh. uh, singing as that character. Yeah. Uh, we already talked about the fact that Alan Tudyk is the chicken. So good. Uh, Alan Tudyk is also the voice of Iago in the new Aladdin. Yes. Yes. Uh, so uh, he's in a lot of the... He's almost like, you know, John Ratzenberger is in every Pixar movie. Mm-hmm. That's like Alan Tudyk now. He's like he's in, he's been in Star Wars. He was K two S O. He's been in both Ralph movies, even though they killed off his character in the first one. Like he gets a new character in the second yeah. one. Um, so, uh, uh, the uh, we already talked about Lin Manuel Manuel Moana. Um, just laid out my genie comparison. Okay, here I already said when I summed up my letterbox review. Uh, I said that I don't like Maui's face. More specifically, I think that Maui has a bad case of what uh, some on the internet might refer to as DreamWorks face. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with DreamWorks face? No, but I can see what that means. Okay, I'm pasting, I'm, I'm, I'm texting a link to you. You can look at it now or you can look at it later if you want to. But uh-huh. uh, if you are listening at home, go to the show notes and... That link will be in the show notes so you can see what DreamWorks face looks like. Basically, it's a very punchable facial expression um, that I that you might characterize as uh, smug mm-hmm. uh, or snide. 
uh, or, uh, well, uh, that's enough about that. Uh, I wrote, uh, the protagonist is literally carried by waves. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and that's supposed to be a statement about like her level of agency. But she has to learn how to wayfind, which is also an important cultural thing. There's a whole thing about mm-hmm. the Great Pause when Polynesian cultures were, like, incredibly with canoes getting, like, thousands of miles. And mm-hmm. how they stopped for, like, a thousand years and then started again. And they aren't totally sure why this happened. But Moana yeah. is, in some ways, supposed to be um, that beginning of that end of that pause yeah. um, that I didn't even get into. But, um, yeah, it's not like, it's not just like, oh, the waves carried her. Yeah, the ocean is definitely her friend, but like, she's going hundreds of miles in a friggin' canoe. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about the boat being carried by waves. I'm talking about when she gets thrown into the ocean and she's able to get back on the boat because the ocean literally picks her up and puts her there. Yeah, she's the chosen one, Will. She gets some advantages. <laughs> yeah, well, like, yeah, like, uh, you know, the ability to. <laughs> the ability to to survive uh by no uh power of her own uh only I, survive the ocean uh-huh uh i wrote uh her little speech that she repeats and practices i am moana uh you will board my boat mm-hmm. um is just like uh my name is inigo montoya <laughs> yeah <laughs> from uh, one of my favorite movies um I just I just wrote the lava monster sucks, um, and that's just a comment about the design. Oh boo! I just I just think the the way that the lava monster looks, it's just I don't know, uh, very basic. Like if you just to ask me to picture like say like picture a lava monster, I would just picture like that like man shape, human shape. I mean, out of out of uh, lava. That said, I will say Elliot was very scared of Taka. Sure. He's not scared of a lot of... I mean, he's scared of plenty of things, but it's not everything you'd expect. Right. Um, I know you already talked about the MacGuffin, um, the the little green rock. Is it called the Heart of the Ocean? The Heart of the Ocean. Uh, no, it's not called the Heart of the Ocean. It's called um, It's called the Heart of Tefiti. Okay. I, I, I wrote Heart of the Ocean. Isn't that from Titanic? <laughs> Um, I already said that the island goddess looks like the Jellicoon giant. Um, oh, by the way, we haven't even talked about who directed Moana. Who directed Moana? Oh, my gosh. See, you and I are so different. <laughs> <laughs> you just spent like 90 minutes like laying out, you know, a thesis for uh-huh. like... This movie is the best. It was directed by character. oh by Ron Clements and John Musker. I think that's why I was calling him Jermaine Clements earlier because I had been reading an article about Ron Clements. Sure, that's why. That really, uh, I really think that was I, the Jermaine part. I can't deny, but I think that's actually mm-hmm. why for the Clements. So it was directed by two white guys mm-hmm. who uh, are you looking at their IMDb? Can you see what they also directed? So they so um, let's see. They directed Aladdin. Aladdin. Okay, yeah. I knew that they were and um yeah, Little Mermaid, Hercules, Princess right. and the Frog. Yeah. I was reminded of this cuz my next note says um Maui's tattoos, they look like something from Hercules. Mhm. They look like the like hieroglyphics or like whatever, you know, that art in Hercules. Yeah. Um and uh 
I'll save that note for last. I uh, just okay. So just in defense of my point that the jokes are bad, mm-hmm. um, the jokes are specifically they're bad in a way where um, they you know this is a movie for kids and mm-hmm. like the thing that is most like for kids specifically like mm-hmm. could only be enjoyed by a child mm-hmm. is the jokes and and I think that they're lazily written. Because they don't have to be original or creative. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. just for kids. And a kid has not seen somebody say, yeah, I just did that, you know, 1,000 times before. Mm-hmm. So, like, a kid might laugh when Moana says, yeah, I just did that. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of that, like, that the, the the comedy in the movie has a lot of that tone where it's just, like, a character going, like, really or like did that just happen like that kind of attitude that is um you know just like a substitute for actual um jokes Mm -hmm. Uh, another thing that is said is uh when maui lands in the realm of monsters he says and he sticks the landing yeah um when uh that's lazy um boo uh when uh he's getting away with the boat uh, Maui uh, grabs the chicken and he looks into the camera and he says, boat snack. Hey, yeah. Uh, uh, when he's fighting the lava monster, he goes like, hey, Takao, shark head. Because uh, yeah. he made himself back into the shark head version of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, signs his autograph using the chicken's beak. And he says, when you use a bird to write, it's called tweeting. Yeah. This is like, this is that like, they they do like, it's not even a half measure. It's like a quarter measure to making Maui like the genie. Okay, so this, th- this is what I will say about this, though. I also think those jokes are not the funniest ever, but I think they make Maui look like an asshole. And yeah, that's why I was okay with them because he is an asshole. Yeah, but couldn't the jokes be funny while they're also accomplishing that? I don't know. I mean... I guess, like, that just seems like such a small point because all the jokes you just pointed out are Maui's and they're just all him being a douchebag. And I like... have one more joke to point out because okay. I, um, Moana is the one who says, yeah, I just did that. And I do think that that qualifies as what this movie considers a joke. Uh-huh. And it's an example of a bad one. Um, also, Moana is the one who early on in the movie says, like, oh, this is some great pork. And then the pig is there yeah. and she yeah. has to be like, no, I didn't mean yeah. that's not funny. I think that's funny. That's <laughs> it. It might be funny if I saw it for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's not funny the hundredth time that I've seen it, which uh-huh. is seeing it in this movie, which is why it's fine for a kid, mm-hmm. but also lazy. Um, and then perhaps finally, I want to point out that uh, Maui pisses onto Moana's hand. Oh, yeah. That was the only thing I didn't like in the whole movie. And I also wrote in parentheses, that's not unlike how the Angry Birds uh, drink piss in the Angry Birds movie. Um, which A movie is not, I have not and will never see. I have not seen it and I will never see it either. But I have seen the scene where they drink piss. <laughs> Thank you, Twitter. Thank you, one particular guy on Twitter whose name I can't remember, but... We'll put it in the show notes so that he gets <laughs> some credit, even if he doesn't get it uh, on the podcast. He'll get uh-huh. it adjacent to the podcast. He, uh, This guy on Twitter, who I used to follow, 
became so fixated on that scene where the Angry Birds Drink Piss in the Angry Birds movie that he started a podcast called The Angry Birds Drink Piss in the Angry Birds movie. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm not going to start a podcast called Maui Pees on Moana's Hand and that's gross. <laughs> it's not a terrible idea in my opinion. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think those are all my notes. Okay. I think that those are all fine criticisms. Um, and I just want to say that is absolutely my least part. I, I'm not a person that likes, um, for the most part, body uh, excretion jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I never have, like, not even as a child. Mm-hmm. So I I think I always am going to think those jokes are weak and also not funny and will maybe skip through them. Um, I think there's one funny joke in the movie. And I think that it is helped by it is written well but also it is helped by the performance Mm -hmm. i think there are two really good performances in this movie and it's Mm -hmm. the main one it's it's moana yeah sorry sorry i don't know the actor's name yeah and it and it's jermaine as as the crab yes and the funny joke is um i forget what the setup is but the punchline is and i ate my grandmother and she (laughs) was humongous yeah that made me laugh (laughs) um but that I think that all of your I, I would just say I think that all of your criticisms are legitimate. I don't think that any of them because nothing is going to be perfect and nothing is going to be like nothing is going to hit every single note that you would like it to hit. I guess is yes. what I mean when I say nothing is going to be perfect. But um, in, in your mind, it's finer qualities that you have so well articulate. Yes, articulated. I think that they far outweigh far outweigh the criticisms what that I'm you just laying had. Out. Yes, yeah, and that's totally yeah, and I. I can totally concede that i'm not agreeing with you necessarily but i'm i'm not going to defend that my priorities are more important or more yeah. valid i, I also just think my that priorities especially in terms of the jokes and you i know that you've already conceded that like you know they are children you know hypothetically this these are they are for children i might even argue that like the movie's not supposed to be funny necessarily mm-hmm. um and so joke writing is it's there, like, any sort of lighter moments are there to um, balance the movie, but not necessarily to be the focus of the movie. And that might be why the joke writing is weak, as you've, yes. as you've pointed out. Right. It could be, un- it could be insignificant compared to the, uh, you know, better, you know, more important qualities of the movie. And it could still be done well. Yes. In a way that's not lazy. Um, real quick. Yes. Off the top of your head, what do you think is the most iconic Disney song? I mean, I think the song that I probably sing the most often and most heartily is A Whole New World. Interesting. Um, clearly, there's like some romance to that song, but I think that it, um, it sort of uh, falls into that category of you know part of what everybody in a disney movie is trying to do is be better be greater than they themselves are at that moment Mm -hmm. and i think that that song it's called a whole new world you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah um and the singing in it is is amazing and you we get that woman who also voiced did the singing voice for mulan whose name i can't remember off the top of my head Mm -hmm. um singing jasmine's line which is really amazing jasmine's part which is um, amazing yeah um i mean beauty and the beast is like my favorite disney movie i put Mm -hmm. that in quotes because it's moana now but like beauty and the beast was my go-to for many years yeah um 
And I think that Gaston's song in that is like also mm. just as like delightful and stuff, but but not iconic. Yes, and I'm also I'm way more likely to go for. I mean, this is a difference we already discussed. Like, I'm gonna go for the song that just like you know s- makes me swell mm-hmm. over the song that I think is really funny and clever. And you're clearly the opposite. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I think that the signature song of Aladdin is the one that I mentioned earlier, the genie song, You Never Had a Friend Like Me. But Mm -hmm. despite that, when asked about the most iconic Disney song, you named a song from Aladdin. So yeah, we can end the podcast now on that note, right? You'd be happy (laughs) Um, with that? Yeah, uh, Leah Salonga is the name of the um, woman who voiced uh, Jasmine and also Mulan Mm. as, as the singing voice. Right. Um, yeah, I think we can end there. Uh, thanks, Will. <laughs> Love you. Thank you for listening yeah. to me talk about the clearly, unrefutably, has yet to be refuted, best uh, Disney princess animated movie. I love you too. And Aladdin is best. And Mo- you and it and Moana's Disney princess movie. And Aladdin has a princess in it, but it's not. You know, it's called Aladdin. Um, <laughs> so I wouldn't call it a D- Disney princess movie for that reason. Uh, even though it has a canonical princess in it, she's not the titular character mm-hmm. and she's not the star and Aladdin is best. And thank you. Well, goodbye. Bye. <laughs> oh, you made me seem like a... Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at youngest of one and his website is williamhoffacker.com. You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram at exclamate underscore on Twitter or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com, and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram.